Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cali Night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. On today's episode, we'll look back on last weekend's game as United's unbeaten start of the season came to an end against the Mungie Hangers. And we look ahead to Saturday's game against pre-season favourite Salford City at Brunton Park. How's it going, Mike? Well, do you know what? I don't want to sound too miserable, but I mm-hmm. can't remember the last time post-transfer deadline day that I've just kind of felt so defeated and uh, pessimistic, shall we say? Yeah, especially as this isn't a period where we, we've been struggling until this point. We did really pretty well last season, albeit a bad second half of the season because of COVID and stuff. But it just feels so like, it does feel very deflating, doesn't it? We're going to get on to that in a minute. But, um, mm. And I suppose you went to last weekend's game, me and Dan mm. didn't. That's not going to improve your mood much either, has it? No, not at all. It was It was up there with, honestly, some of the bad bad performances we've seen in, in recent years, it really was. The scoreline might not reflect that, but believe me, the performance certainly did. I don't think Beach's comments after the game helped things much either, did they? Because he was trying to make it, it was just two poor teams, but pretty much everyone I spoke to said Hartlepool weren't too bad, actually, you know, for a team that had come up from the National League playoffs, they looked pretty decent. So Yeah, well, it's interesting to say about Beach's comments, because, I mean, like last season, the performances were bad, and they sort of had me on the tightrope of beach in or beach out. But his post-match comments just, like, throw me off the tightrope, like, constantly, do you know what I mean? Like, he's just, he does himself no favours, really. No, it doesn't on occasion, does he? Well, let's get into it then, Mike. Um, so we've got the transfer window roundup. Basically, this, this is the only real news section we've got today, isn't it, this week? Because there's not been mm. much else news-wise. So uh, we're going to cover the uh, transfer activity over the last week or so, and then we're going to look at how we think overall the transfer window's gone for the Blues. So, um... First up, uh, let's discuss departures. Obviously, we had Aaron Hayden leave earlier in the window, but uh, the big one this week, of course, is that uh, another one of the uh, defence of last season, George Tanner, has now left the club. Uh, he left on Monday to join Championship side Bristol City for an undisclosed fee. We understand it's around about 300000 but there's add-ons on top. So if Bristol City were to, say, by some miracle, get promoted to the Premier League sometime soon, we'd probably get a decent chunk on top of that, you'd think. Yeah. Uh, Tanner made 48 appearances in for United in all competitions and scored three goals. Goes with our best wishes, really. Someone who obviously appeared on the pod. We had an interview with him. He was a really good lad. And we've, we've, we've had a message from him, actually, since then, just to say thank you for, for the support he got from us. So, you know, it's one of those ones. Isn't it? Aaron Hayden, I wouldn't say it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, but it's, there's a feeling of, if you're going to go anywhere, go to a championship club at least. Mm. I mean, I, the world, there was apparently championship and League One clubs interested, but... His agent was very insistent, apparently, that he'd go to Wrexham. So that one always left a little bit of a bad taste. Whereas this one, I think you can understand why he's gone, can't you? Yes, but, and, you know, as well, he's getting the club some money rather than letting his contract run down. Because, let's face it, if them sorts of clubs were interested, he was never yeah. going to sign a new deal with us, was no. he? Let's face it. No, definitely not. And with only a year left, he could have easily run down his contract and got himself a nice move next season, as mm. it is. He's gone there, and obviously we've got a nice three hundred grand for a player we got for nothing. 
So, mm. you know, one season out of him, you know, you can't, can't grumble too much. You do wonder what might have happened if he hadn't picked up that shoulder injury last season. Mm. You know, because that, that had a big impact on our season as well, him being out for long periods as well. So, yeah. bit of a shame that. Um, made an interesting comment, didn't he, on the Bristol City site, I think, about how he felt a move to the Championship and particularly with a side that uh, was more possession-based would be good for his game. Because mm. we aren't a particularly possession-based side, are we? So, no. you know, there's a little dig in there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something I was going to touch on sort of later on. Mm. But, it, like, the players that we sort of had at the club, I did think that we, we could have played a bit more football. You know, I mean, direct football does get results. It, you know, yeah. I'm not opposed to the direct no, football. No, if, if you've got the players to do that. But I, I feel that our players are more on the side of can play football than knock it long kind of thing. Yeah, and another thing for me, and maybe I'm just picking at bones a little bit, and maybe I've got it wrong, but when Aaron Hayden left, there was a long article about him leaving, and there was a lot of quotes from Beach in there about the move and stuff like that. I've not seen a single quote from Beach yet about Tanner leaving. Mm. The article on the site about him leaving basically just ran down, you know, his, his player issues. So if there wasn't... I, maybe I've read it wrong, maybe I need to go back and read it, but I didn't see any... You know, thanks for his, for your time or thanks for your services and things like that. It, mm. it felt a little bit like, I mean, Be- Beach did hint post match against Hartlepool that certain players had had their heads turned and he was hoping the window would be shut so that could be sorted. And he he was quite critical of Tanner for the first goal as well. And mm. he, he name checked him there as well. So you do wonder if there's something going on there. Maybe I don't know, but it's disappointing that they can't at least maybe just say, yeah, thanks for your services. Yeah, exactly. But, but there you go. Mm. Okay, well, uh, in terms of arrivals, um, well, obviously, after Tanner's departure, the first thing you'd expect us to sign was a winger, wasn't it? <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, we, to be fair, we did feel there needed to be a bit more strength for the attack, and uh, a winger has arrived. Jordan Gibson has joined the Blues from League of Ireland side Sligo Rovers for an undisclosed fee. He's uh, another former Bradford player in the ranks from, mm. from that period of time. I don't know what it is. I don't know if Holdsworth and... Beach have only got one DVD of Bradford <laughs> City highlights from about 2018 to 2020. But that does seem to be the... I mean, was it now six players in the squad yeah. currently? Yeah. Joe Riley, well. Cullum Guy, Gibson. Um, who else is in there? Danny Devine. We've obviously mm. had Amari Patrick in as well at, at one point. And it's getting a bit silly, isn't it? Really? Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit. But this signing reminds me of like, what was it, like 12 years ago when we were like crying out for a centre forward and then we signed Kevin Hurst who was like a winger and everyone was yeah. just kind of like what? Do you know good, what I mean? It's like yeah it's a good player but do we need him really? Yeah yeah exactly you know. It's a, it's a strange one isn't it? Um, but yeah he's a uh, he, he started his career I think it was at Rangers wasn't he? Um, came down to Bradford I don't think he did that well at Bradford he, he went over to Ireland and he, he does appear to have kick-started his career in the Emerald Isle and um, from the videos I watch, he's got a bit of flair about him, hasn't he? He likes a yeah. long shot. He, to be fair, he scored a few penalties as well, so you've got to take that into consideration when you look mm. at his goal record. But, I mean, they did seem to be quite disappointed to lose him, Sligo. And I don't imagine it's a massive fee we'll have paid for him, but... Yeah, I mean, I've read some stuff that he seems to prefer to play as, like, a number 10 than as a winger. But a lot of Sligo fans have said, but he's better as a winger, regardless of him saying that. Well, you say that though, but uh, Fox Analytics on Twitter did point out that all the st- statistics show that he actually spends most of his time playing on the wing. 
yeah. during games. So maybe even if he plays at number 10, he may all kind of play or drift out wide. But I mean, yeah. we've, we've got Cluffy who can play as the number 10, so we don't really need him there. But he, he probably no. will find himself playing out wide a lot. Mm. And we do need another player who can do that because Alessandro being used there just doesn't work. I'd rather have him as one of my choices as a striker, really. Mm. If I'm honest, um, it, it just sort of adds a little bit more bafflement to the uh, Jimmy Torre contract trigger again, because it seems to have potentially knocked him down the pecking order again. It? Well, in in the game that we don't talk about that happened the other night, he wasn't even in the match day squad, and Skelton's exactly. explanation afterwards was, "Well, he just wasn't in the match day squad." But you think, yeah, but he, he's not been starting games. Surely you'd bring him in for a game like this at the very least, have him on the bench. Exactly. Exactly. There's something going on there. There's got yeah, to be. Definitely. I've, I've heard rumours that National League clubs are keen and the National League deadline doesn't actually close for a little while, does it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. You might find he moves at some time in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, on Gibson, uh, interesting, some Bradford comments, uh, fans suggesting that uh, his dad apparently um, has a habit of uh, DMing people who are critical of his performances on Twitter. So... Uh, mm-hmm. If you Carla fans out there, watch what you're saying. Yeah, you, could, you could be getting a, someone sliding into your DMs and not the good kind. Um, but there you go. Uh, defensive reinforcements did finally arrive on deadline day, though, didn't they, Mike? Uh, yeah. First up, Tanner's direct replacement is the experienced former Crew, Plymouth and Blackpool player, Kevin Miller. 29-year-old has signed a one-year deal after being told he could leave Morecambe this week. I actually think this is a really good signing. I genuinely think when I heard his name, because there was a few names floating about, there was the McLaughlin brothers, of which I think everyone was like, Connor, please, Ryan, no. Mm-hmm. There was a few sort of youngsters from Premier League clubs being mentioned and things like that. But this one came out of nowhere because he was contracted to, to Morecambe still, actually. Mm. And actually, for, other than his time at Bradford, I've always been really impressed with him. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, to be completely realistic, we're net like you know, George Tanner has obviously gone to the championship. He is a championship quality player. We are not going to bring in a championship quality replacement, no, are no. we? Let, let, let's face it. And you know, he, he seemed to be a solid enough player for for Morecambe in uh, promotion season, and you know, he, he's another experienced head, which we don't have a, a ton of at the minute. He's got three promotions from mm. League Two under his belt, mm. hasn't he? Did it yeah. yeah. Blackpool and with Accrington. Mm. Accrington, sorry, Morecambe. Crew. Did he go with Crew? I think it, he might have done it at Crew early in his career. I'm not 100% there. It's yeah. happened before if he did. But he's a good, solid player. I don't think he's particularly spectacular or anything, but he's he's strong. He's a big lad as well when you look at him. So mm. he'll probably offer a threat on set pieces. Mm. So that's a big thing. And again, another former Bradford player. So he fits in with our uh, philosophy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, no, it's, I think it's one that most fans have looked at and said, yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. There. On the point of Tano, what you said there, this is a little shout out for one of our listeners, Martin Howard, who was messaging me the other day, and he made a point, and I agree with this. Tanner, who's now obviously gone to Bristol City, I don't think he'll drop below championship level again for a long time now. Mm. I think he'll be playing that level for a good seven or eight years at least. Yeah. Case, unless so. he has a bad injury, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think he'll be up there. And the final addition to the squad, arriving just as the window shut on Tuesday night, was Arsenal defender Jonathan. Dinzei, 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 mm. how you pronounce it, you reckon? Uh, we'll go with that, yeah. Jonathan Dinzei, who was signed on a season-long loan deal. The former England under-18 international joined the Gunners last season after his release by Tottenham, but the 21-year-old hasn't featured in the Arsenal first team so far. I mean, look, I, I, I don't want to be one to judge a player before he arrives too much, because mm. you never know. So, 
players can surprise you as how good they are. But he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. That's the first thing that stood out to me. <laughs> that's how I do my research. And I went there and there was no Wikipedia yeah. page. And that made me think, that's not a good sign, is it? I, yeah. I said that in our preseason uh, preview. I said, if a player doesn't have a Wikipedia page, it, it doesn't bode too well for him. But... No. Hey, well, we'll have to get one set up for him, won't we? But, um, <laughs> but he's, yeah. He, look, he could turn out to be a really good signing. You never yeah. know with these things. But for me, he got released by Tottenham. You could have easily gone to a club, you know, like a QPR or even a Brentford mm. or dropped down maybe even to, to our level or a Leighton Orient or something like that. But he went to Arsenal to basically be squad padding for their under-23s, yeah, exactly. you think? Mm. That worries me. The fact that mm. he's, he's, I think his only first team appearance is at the age of 21. I think there's a few games in the Peter Trophy for Arsenal's mm. under-23s and that's it. Exactly, yeah. That, that concerns me. But you never know. And he, I think he's 1m97 or something, or 93 or something. He's a big mm. lad, mm. and that, that fits in with what Beach wants to play, so you never know, he might turn out to be a, a good addition, but at the yeah. moment, I think he's he's a squad player, isn't he? I, think he's probably I mean, I, I'm cynical about how much, uh, if at all, Beach or Holdsworth have physically seen him play. I mean, like mm. I know that bef- while Beach was sort of out of uh, football, he, d- he did take in a lot of football, but that's largely sort of like the Northwest-ish, and obviously Bradford City. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit like... You know, was this a, ah, we need a defender, uh, panic, 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 do you know what I mean? But, you know, like you say, I hope that it's, you know, a good addition to the squad. Um, but I guess only time will tell on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. And, you know, good luck to the lad. I genuinely hope he proves us wrong and turns out to be a, a star player. But I, I suspect he'll probably start out as a squad player, I think, early on. Uh, for us um, well let's then get onto a few discussion points then about the transfer window generally uh, Mike uh, first up final squad happy or not uh, it's hard to just put it into like a one word happy or not isn't it really yeah. uh, I, I think I actually think in the you know our forward line I actually prefer that to what we had last season I think oh. uh, a- Abrams will get more goals than all of our strikers did last season um, you, you know, club. I'm not as yeah. convinced. I mean, he started well, but I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced yet. But who was our top scoring striker last season? How many did he get? Like hey, Alessandro in nine or something like that. I was think, it nine? So, yeah. yeah. Like you 10. know, he's he's already you know sort of a third a third of the way there. Um, but uh, uh, how long ago? He's only scored two goals. Yeah, this this is true. This is true. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and obviously Clough. Great addition as well, if we can keep him fit and all the rest of it. Um, but defence, I mean, some of them games in the back, e- back end of last season were awful. And our defence has somehow got worse than that. And, yeah, and, you know, in defence, I include the goalkeeper as well. I said in pre-season that Farman could well be a massive, massive loss. And I think as... You know, you and me haven't been entirely convinced by Norman, have we? And no, I just I feel he's he's a bit. I don't think he reacts to things quite as quickly, mm. and I think he slows the game down a bit too much. Norman could speed it up. Norman, sorry, Farman could speed it up a little bit too much at times, but mm. generally the way we wanted to play, it was perfect because you could get the ball forward quickly. Mm. Norman, I'm just not sold on that so far. But I mean, no. on the defense point, as you say, there, there's an argument that. The first choice back five of last season, goalkeeper and back four, your strongest one, 
has left the club. Now, mm-hmm. there's an argument over Anderton and Armour. I understand that. I know a lot of fans really rate Armour. I think we're starting to see that he still is a young player. There's a few flaws in his game still, but he's got plenty of time to improve. So there's no, no issue mm-hmm. there. But yeah, your argument is Farman's gone, Tanner's gone, Hayden's gone, Bennett's gone, and Anderton's gone. Mm. But at the same time, I do think that Feeney is a very, very good player if we can keep him fit. And, you know, the sort of Bennett or Hayden might not be as big a loss if Feeney can come up with the goods. Um, But yeah, I just, I'm not, like I say, I'm not optimistic now for this season anymore and and not even that but there's been other seasons where I've kind of written off the playoffs and I've thought okay but next you know in the summer we'll rebuild a little bit but seeing the amount of players whose contracts are expiring in the summer and I I just like you you know I'm not even confident for next season at the minute either no it's it's tough isn't it it's um I mean the one area you would probably say that we're still happy with is midfield isn't it We've kept yeah. the midfield together. We've only really lost Dean Furman. Not a major issue because he really wasn't playing, to yeah. be honest there. You've got Dixon, who's looking a bit sharp, and our Charles is looking like he's got bolt up as well. Mm. Divine's now back and fit. You've got your first choice free. And even you've got Zach Clough, who could probably play in that position as well. So mm. in terms of that, you're okay with midfield. As you mentioned, that defence is an issue. An attack, you say you prefer it. I, I'm not sold on it. I think particularly... If we're going to keep playing a direct style, I'm not sure we've got the players to play that direct style right now. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I sort of said before, the players that we have, I would rather we played football. I mean, at Hartlepool, which obviously we'll talk more about in a bit, but we were just playing long balls to Abrams and he wasn't winning that battle. No. And I'm not blaming him for that. No, you know, he's it, not that it, kind of player. Ex- exactly, he's not that kind of player. Um, you know, we need to play the ball more into his feet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... If you're going to say there was a, any areas you still think we need to strengthen, potentially from the you know free agent options that are still available, I think in about a week's time that reopens. What would you who would you go for? Um, it's hard to tell because this uh, this new lad from Arsenal, uh, Dinze, we don't know what he's about. So do we need another centre back? Still, do we not? He could have, he could potentially be the left sided Corey Whelan that Dan has been saying that we need, because um, he's apparently left-sided. Um, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what we need defensive-wise. I'd like us to see see us get a, a number nine, but people seem to think that uh, Mampala could potentially be a number nine. I, 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 I'm I don't not, know. I'm not 100% sure on that no, one. No, no. I think he's... I think... A lot of fans are getting very excited about him. I think there's a lot of potential there, but I think he's very, very raw. And yeah, he's definitely. Very cautious to be putting all expectations on mm. him suddenly becoming this big target man for us up front. Mm. I think a target man is basically what we needed. I think we. Yeah. I don't think we necessarily need a goal scorer. I don't think mm. that wouldn't concern me if we had a big man up there who can play the role of the target man or a, a, a target. Because mm. I mean, Coyote played as a target man on the right wing last mm. season. Mm. He wasn't playing as a wing. He was playing as a mm. target man on the on the right, mm. and we'd, we'd knock it long to him. Mm. And pick up the pieces around him, basically, won't we? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, f- for me, we haven't had a a good, proper good target man since Sabiri. You know, we've had big strikers yeah. since then, but have they won't be what I'd call a proper target man. You know, and yeah, it, you know, if you're to play that direct football, you need one. You know, and mm. if we haven't got one, we need to play football a different way. Yeah, we're going to get on the topic of our glorious. Uh, 
director of football shortly. Um, <laughs> but first up, uh, I've got to play a clip. Dan sent us in a clip of his views on the transfer window and how it's gone. Um, and also, while I'm while I'm here, I should point out it's Kelvin Miller we signed, not Kevin Miller. I said, I said Kevin earlier, <laughs> so it's Kelvin. I do apologise for that. So uh, here's Dan's views on the transfer window. I've not heard this yet. He just sent me this, so this is what he says. My thoughts on the transfer window. Cack. <laughs> uh, our first 11 isn't too bad, but we are incredibly weak once you get past sort of 14, 15 players. I think we've got eight players who haven't started a league game. Feeney's only started one and Charters two. I mean, these lads could be good players, but it's very, very inexperienced. You know, we've took approximately half a million in for Hayden and Tanner. And I think we spent, was it a rumoured 12 grand on uh, Gibson from Sligo? It'll keep the money men happy, but it doesn't seem to be keeping the Brunton Park faithful happy. A very big few weeks in terms of results. And uh, if it doesn't go the right way, you can see the heat certainly turning up on Mr. Holdsworth and possibly even Chris Beach. Well, pretty pretty uh, good assessment, I think, from Dan there, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. He's, he's raised good points about the fact that it is a very inexperienced squad now. I, mean, I know yeah. we're all about developing young players, but there's only a, so much you can do in terms of that. You've got to have a bit of experience in there. Especially because uh, sort of like an experienced leader type is what we massively missed last year. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it seems like we haven't really learned a lot from that. Yeah, definitely. Um Yep, so there you go. Uh, okay, well, let's let's talk about uh, Mr. Holdsworth there, as Dan brought him up there as well. Um, do you think he should be holding his hands up and admitting he's, he's not doing a good job right now as director of football in terms of getting players in and developing the squad? Because as we've both sort of, I think we've agreed and Dan agrees, our squad is weaker than it was last season. Yeah, de- definitely. And, you know, it's all good and well if the results aren't going the right way two, three months from now, second beach, but... You know, then we've got through like quite a few managers, and Holdsworth is like the constant. You know, and you know you're sacking the managers, and then we'll get another manager in, and we'll sack him after a couple of years. And you know, Holdsworth is the constant behind the scenes, and yeah, it just he's more than one to show his face when things are going well, and when things aren't, where is he? You know. Yeah, he's been very quiet for the last few weeks, hasn't he? Actually, mm. it's, it's worth knowing that. Um, on the on the topic of where we'd sack Beach. I think it's more likely we'll hold on to Beach as long as possible because Holdsworth is the one who's appointed him. Holdsworth never wanted Presley. That's mm. fairly well known. And he was quite happy to, to bid him off when the opportunity came. Beach is, is effectively his appointment. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, yes, the directors all had a hand in it as well, but he's the one who's pushed forward that name, basically. Mm. So so there you go. Um, I mean, money in the bank's all fine, isn't it? So mm. we we reckon we've made at least five hundred grand roundabout this summer from Hayden and Tanner leaving. Fantastic, you say. Well done. That's what we want to do as a football club. But uh, where's the incentive for fans to go beyond diehards to games? Mm. Mm. How hard would it be to invest even fifty to hundred grand of that maybe mm. on bringing in? I mean, yes, I know that every season we run out. What is it? 200, 300 grand loss, we have to make up that money. Well, you, you've made that up. Invest a little bit in the squad and give fans an opportunity, reason to go. Bigger crowds go, you make more money and make back some of that the money you've spent. That's but how you look at it, surely. N- not only that, but I mean, you could sign a player for 100 grand, like, you know, 
obviously not every player that you spend money on is guaranteed to be a success. But mm. an example, we spent what 140 grand on Joe Garner, and then 12 months later sold him for over a million quid. Yeah, you, you you know it's it's not necessarily throwing money down the drain. Yeah. You, you can use the money, and it can be an investment if you put it on the right player. What what I would say is it is a bit of a challenge at the moment. I know because you've got national league clubs throwing money around like it's confetti, and that that has made it very difficult for league two clubs. I do understand that, but there's still players out there you could potentially look at. Yeah. There's still clubs looking to sell. I mean, bloody hell, we're looking to sell players. Mm. We're not the only club like that in this league. Mm. So it's it's uh, it just. I just feel that every year they make the mistake and they don't realise that. Mm. It, it's you're not giving fans a reason to keep coming back beyond no, the, the three and a half thousand or so diehards that will go wind, rain or shine. Yeah, you know, that's 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 the way it is. Yeah. And it, it all comes back to the old point, doesn't it, about Holdsworth in that he's there to do a job for e- EWM and now Pure Pay. I mean, the club of girls, it's not ring-fenced anymore. It's a club job. But at the end of the day, he was put in that job by them to watch the pennies, essentially, to make sure the players were assigning yeah. in a particular way. If that job was just advertised normally, the director of football job, without Edwin Wallaby having anything to do with it, it was just a club decision to go down that road. He wouldn't have got the job. He'd mm. been nowhere near it. That's mm. that's the, no one can dispute that. Mm. That's 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 the, that's the way it would have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he seems to spend half his time going on about bloody football kit deals and bloody <laughs> sponsorship deals. That's not what director football does. Do and, tweet, David... and, tw- and tweeting his commiserations to the Wales manager after they got knocked out of the Euros. Don't forget ah, that. I mean, that, that was <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. The amount of time he seems to spend hijacking stuff with club media. On the club media side to, to promote mm-hmm. stuff he wants to do. Happy birthday, Andrew! Oh, that, that video is one of the most cringeworthy things I've seen in my life. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, do you see David Flickcroft, who's doing the same job at um, at Port Vale? Do you see him banging on about we sign a new kit deal with Ria and stuff like that? You don't. <laughs> That's a commercial manager's job. Yeah. If you want that job, go for the commercial manager's job instead. Yeah, that's the thing that. I don't know. He's stuck in the job, isn't he? But we're not going to be getting rid of him anytime soon. And no. like you've mentioned there, he, he, he makes sure he rubs up Andrew the right way. He doesn't need to keep him. Yeah, he does. Too, so uh, I think we could, we could go on about that one all day. So let's let's <laughs> move on. I think but we're basically in agreement that as it stands, it, it it looks like we look a lot weaker than we did last season. Yeah, and it doesn't bode well for making the playoffs potentially because we're, we're relying heavily on Clough staying fit basically yeah that's what we're going to rely on and Beach hopefully changes his tactics to actually get the best out of Clough mm. instead of just constantly going direct all the but, time but not, not just Clough as well but I think like Feeney like I say could be key to our season and you don't want to be dependent on too many players who have had injury problems yeah. you, don't, you don't want to be dependent on one to be honest with you but yeah, very, very true, very true indeed. Well, let's get on to the match review then, Mike. Um, so we're going to look at the, the Hartlepool game here. Um, Hartlepool 2, Kylie 1. United's unbeaten the start of the season, came crashing down this weekend at Victoria Park um, in a game where I think it's fair to say the performance was as much of a concern as the result, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the, the performance is worse than the result reflected I actually looked before and you remember that uh, awful 3-1 away defeat to Accrington in 2015 where that was one of the most gutless and pathetic performances I've seen from from Carlisle that was the one where Keith Curl talked about male genitalia in his post-match interview it's funny because a mate of mine mentioned that 
at the weekend. You know, Arsenal got beat 5 0 at mm. City at the weekend. And some of their fans were staying there at the end to applaud the team off. Mm. Thinking, God, imagine if those players had done that in the Atkinson game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been bizarre if we'd applauded them off after that. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, mate. But- Go on. But that Accrington game, we had three times as many shots on goal and three times as many shots on target as we did against Hartlepool on the weekend. Like, we had 15 shots in that game and then... Yeah. <laughs> genuinely surprised me. Because yeah. Blimey. I, yeah. I never, you, don't, you don't think about that, do you? Really? There must have been some no. bloody awful shots, though. You yeah, imagine. yeah. But, but still, I mean, like you're absolutely right there. Five shots... Um, I think I put one on target, but I think it's actually two on target, wasn't it? I think there was a header from. We, from we didn't well. we didn't test the test the keeper. Put it that way. Basically, I don't think we had a shot on target after Clough's goal, did we? From that point yeah. onwards, there wasn't a single shot we had on target. No, I don't think so. And that was down at your end for the second half, wasn't it? So, yeah, he. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to play this clip, Mike. You sent me in a, a clip at uh, the final whistle. Um, <laughs> And because uh, Mike sent me a few WhatsApp notes, uh, we weren't able to. I didn't have time to put them all together into a thing, but I did enjoy this one that he sent me. We have our own fans singing along to this. We f- lost. What the f? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sums it up quite well, doesn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Beach switched to a three-five-two formation to match up with pools. No, no, five-three-two. I'm not. I'm not having anyone call okay. it three at the back. Okay, okay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Because a lot of the time it is three at the back, but in this case it wasn't. So five-three-two. Well, so, F- Fox Analytics put on Twitter our fullbacks got forward like less further forward than they do when they're a four at the back. Yeah, so it's absolutely a five at the back. Yeah, so it's obviously a five-three-two to match up with pools. Fair to say it didn't really work. Players looked a mess. I mean. I mean, on this point, why are we so scared of the opposition? This exactly. is not Brazil 70, it's Hartlepool 2021. Exactly. They're there, right? We, we shouldn't be terrified. Yet, it seems like they're a better side than a lot of teams expected. I actually should point out in preseason predictions, I think we all thought they would be okay this year. Yeah. We didn't think they'd be struggle like a lot of places did. But we should not be terrified of them. Last season, we just we said 4 3 3, that's our formation. We're going to have a go at you and we're going to take you on. Yeah. What was changed that? means we're so terrified of opposition now exactly you know and I mean to be fair you know the five at the back we did restrict Hartlepool a lot I mean their their two goals were basically their only two decent chances um and the, and in terms of expected goals they weren't sort of uh you know absolute sitters for them mm. but um yeah I think apart from that I think Norman had like a p-roller or two to just sort of pick up but yeah but you know, we should be going to Hartlepool and we should be having a go at them. We, we shouldn't be trying to restrict them. You know, we should just be having a pop. And it just wasn't the case at all. It was just pathetic. I mean, it comes back to the transfer window point, doesn't it? If if Beach feels that with the squad he's got, he has to go to Hartlepool and try and play it cautious, play it safe and probably aim for a point and maybe hope to nick all three, that's not a good sign. That shows you that the squad's mm. weaker. Because last season he would not have done that. We went like, for example, we went away to someone like Crawley last season. If we'd gone there and said, "Right, we're going to settle for a point," you'd be embarrassed, wouldn't you? Yeah, we exactly. actually went there, went down, we battered them, we played them at our formation. We said, "We're going to have a go at you. We don't care what you mm. play." Mm. 
it, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Really, exactly. And, and I, I mean, you know, p- p- personnel and formations aside, we just weren't winning fifty-fifty challenges. We weren't winning aerial challenges. Hartlepool was just coming out on top in every sort of individual battle. Like, like I say, we played long balls to Abrams, and he wasn't winning that header, which I'm not blaming him for. But you know, we need mm. to play in a way more for, that accommodates our players. You know, Clough picked up the ball in the middle a few times. And the only player in front of him was Abrams. So they'd have like two men on Abrams and then you could just close Clough down because he didn't have the options. You know, a player like Clough, you want your attacking players making runs and sort of not knowing what's he going to do. Is he going to play it through? Is he going to dribble with it? What's he going to do? But it was just every time he picked up the ball, it was obvious what he was going to do and they, they just closed him down. And the one time that he sort of picked up the ball and was able to turn and you know, play it out wide. That's when we scored. And you sort mm-hmm. of said for the Leighton Orient game that we're getting good balls into the near post and there's no one attacking them. Well, Clough was, you know, yeah, you know which, which, run, which is run, one, one positive. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that's one positive to take. Um, Hartlepool's first goal, Tanner got done a little bit too easily. I don't think they did a very good job of closing down the lad who actually scored the goal either. Mm. Um, I mean, Tanner's head was clearly elsewhere. I think we can probably take that. Oh, yeah. can't we? Hard to blame the lad for that. Um, it's one of those ones where you look at it and think, well, if his head's been turned, if you knew this before the game, Beach, why didn't you stick him on the bench, move Whelan to right back and play four at the back? That's what, mm. that's what baffles you, doesn't it? But, mm. but there you go. Um, yeah, so a bit frustrating that. Responded quite well, like you mentioned. A, a decent goal, a good move for the goal. Mm. On, on Clough, though, what the hell was that handball about in the first minute? Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, like... You know, ordinarily, obviously it was at the other end of the pitch, so, you know, we didn't have the clearest view of it. But ordinarily, the sort of away end had erupt, and then the referee would sort of pull it back and say, no, it's a handball. But the away end just didn't erupt. The away end was just stood there like, what the hell? That's, yeah, you know. yeah. It was, it was mad, wasn't it? it it's, it's one of those ones where, on the radio, Lummy said, because obviously he just saw it in an instant, and he was like, Oh, it looked like he might have been pushed by the defender, but when you watch the highlights, he wasn't pushed by the defender at all. <laughs> he's basically just trying to con the ref, and you think to yourself, everyone's like, oh, well, he's, at least he's a forward. It's like, yeah, but our game's about pressing. Mm. And if you're a player like that, and you can't really press them, because if you, all it takes is you to trip up a couple of players. Exactly. And you've got your second book, and you're off. Mm. And that's in the second minute. It's, it's mm. a really, really stupid player, that. And it's, it's one insane. of them. If, it's, if the referee hadn't seen it, though, like... Well, you'd be laughing your head off and it's one of the funniest things you've ever seen in your life. And I'd, I'd be, yeah, we would be reminding Hartlepool fans about it for years to come. But, yeah, exactly. But yeah, one of those things. Um, second half sounded like we were absolutely awful, Mike. I mean, bear in mind we were attacking the Carlisle end as well. We weren't. That's the thing. We we just weren't. So Yeah, yeah, just, just dreadful. Uh, sloppy defending on the second goal as well. Clough should be doing better with that header on the edge of the box. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a decent finish from Mulan, got to say that. But uh, maybe I'm being a little bit overcritical. Could Norman maybe do a little bit better on the goal? I've seen the angle behind the mm. goal from one of their fans as well, and he's a little bit off his line, and it, it doesn't go massively over him. It, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I am being harsh, but I felt, and I, I know that Lummy said on the radio he felt maybe he could have done a little bit better on it. But yeah, I, I, I think it, I think he maybe could have, and I think we're going to see a few of them goals where you're sort of asking, could he maybe have done a bit better and. Put it this way, I think Farman would have saved it. Yeah, you know. I think Farman probably would have had the flexibility to get up to it, even though he's a shorter keeper. Mm. I have a feeling he might have 
got to that a bit better. But mm. I mean, we, we, we've got to get to the point soon where we don't compare Norman to Farman. That's that's the issue we've got, here, isn't it? So it's, mm. it's it's Norman to Yenton, probably the one we're going to be comparing mm. in the near future. You'd think. Um, one thing Lummy did pick up on the radio was the beach was constantly telling Norman and pointing, saying, "Get it up high and long, high and long." When he when he had the ball to kick out mm. his hands, and it's like. We've got no one up there to do that. Why are you still exactly. persisting? Exactly. It's, it's baffling. Because, I mean, Gary, I mean, Lummy gets said on the radio as well, and James, that, oh, Gary Liddell, you know, he's not the best in the air. So I don't think Liddell's that bad in the air. I don't think he's, I don't think I ever thought to myself, he gets dominated by big players. His problem was he was a little bit overconfident sometimes with the ball, mm. basically, and sometimes a little bit weak in terms of his strength. But Airy actually generally won a fair bit for us, I felt. so. Yeah, I have to say as well, when we uh, brought Young on, Little did a proper sort of League Two centre half against Premier League loney defensive performance. You know, he had a little bit of his shirt, just a little nudge here and there. Mm. You know, which is sort of exactly what you want. But I mean, Young looked pretty pretty lively when mm. when, when he came on, and um, you know, I've, I've said it before. There, there were sort of there were times last season, weren't there, where like Patrick would have a few good games, and he was the one who you'd say right. He has to be starting every week, or so yeah. Coyote would, or Alessandro would, or whoever. None of our forwards have put that stamp down to say I need to be starting every week. So we should just rotate until one of them puts down that stamp and say, "Right, you're in the team," and then just keep rotating until. A- it Abraham's works. has probably been the closest, hasn't he? I think Abraham's yeah. has been solid so far, but yeah. not spectacular. That's that's no. the key thing. Yeah, but, which is probably what we need, actually. To be fair, so I'd imagine mm. he's one who probably he's going to have a good run of games now. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's one of those things, isn't it? I think we, we're sort of in agreement. We'll probably touch it on the match preview a bit, but we just need to start adapting our tactics to the squad we got now, and not the one we had twelve months ago, don't we? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I mean. You're right, you know, them long balls to Coyote, like you said before, even if he didn't win the header, we'd sometimes win the second ball and all the rest of it. But, you know, Abrams just, he's he's, he's not going to win the header and he's not going to put in enough of a battle for the header no. for the, for their centre-half to not win it cleanly enough to give it to a teammate, do you know what I mean? Like, he showed he's good with the ball into his feet, hasn't he? That's mm, what yeah, like. oh yeah, definitely. And and, and that, that's, what, that's what we need to, to do and, and to utilise, mm. but... Yeah, it's just um, you know we can't do a lot about the personnel, but what we what we can do from here on in is is change the way we play, and I think that's what we need to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, bef- before we finish up on this bit, Mike, uh, got to mention a bit about the, the fans' behaviour at the game. Um, yeah, it was a good away following. Uh, what- Around about a thousand, wasn't it? A big crowd, six thousand, which was good. I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying that the Hartlepool fans, home fans, were some of the best home fans they've seen at this level. Oh, th- for they a were. Long time. They were. They were absolutely brilliant. And what what was funny because like a lot of them like had no shirts on and all the rest mm. of it, and they were like <laughs> giving it beans. But like on on the front row, there was this like grandma who looked like in her sixties. Like pure giving it beans, calling our fans wankers, all the rest of it. And you're just, you just like fair play, like that's yeah. someone's nan, and she's just having a whale. She's having a whale of a time. Well, obviously, we're not going to be talking about the Harlepa fans really here. Are we talking about the no. behaviour of the Carlisle fans, which was yeah disappointing to say the least. I think by not all of them, we should say. I've actually. The vast majority were well behaved, but yeah. a handful of letters down at Harlepa again, haven't they? Yeah, obviously. Trashing the uh, disabled seats and all the rest of it. There's, there's no need for that. It's happened before there, and it's like you know. But I think some of them sorts of away games bring out them 
kind of Carlisle fans. Um, but I mean, th- my disappointment from the Carlisle fans, uh, which you know we can't gloss over this, was that when Clough scored, they were singing Zaki Zaki Clough Zaki Clough. Zaki Zaki Clough, and I think we're better than that. You know, like <laughs> it's a terrible like, channel, isn't it? Ex- exactly. You know, a name like that, you could have like all you need is Clough by the Beatles. Or, Clough or, will like, tear you apart. Yeah, Again. you know, yeah. Or, or you know, um, it must be Clough by Madness or, or s- something. You know, we're, yeah. we're we're better than that, surely. You know. Yeah, I'm 100 percent agree with you on that one. That's a that's a very fair point. But uh, yeah, just just all around a bit disappointed with that behaviour. Although I've heard a few people make the good point as well that actually the policing of the game was pretty poor as well. And apparently there was one Hartlepool fan who managed to invade the pitch four times before he finally got yeah, chucked out. Yes, but I think Middlesbrough at home that day, Newcastle were at home, and Sunderland were at home as well. So yeah, not, not, not great timing, was it, really? No. Football authorities, that one. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Okay, Mike, then uh, that's the uh, first half of the show done. We'll be back in just a second with the second half of the show. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. I wanted to get one last use out of that just before uh, <laughs> uh, I have to retire, sadly. So, uh, <laughs> my eyes are filling up. I know. If there's any players out there, or ex <laughs> or uh, current, who are listening, and they fancy doing that bit with us, and we'll do an interview with you as well. Please let us know because we'd like to get a few more. For that. We won't keep you in the cupboard that we kept George in for. No, we had to let him out. Yeah. That was the negotiation with Bristol City. We've got a nice decent fee out of uh, him them for that. Uh, okay, then Mike, into the second half of the show, and uh, this season, the second half of the show is being sponsored by the Cali United Supporters Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cali United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London in the South East and up in Cumbria as well. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and supporters games and also do fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the previous section of the season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website carlislelondonbranch.org. Okay, Mike, uh, we've not got an opposition view this week. Um, I couldn't find a Salford City podcast and all the supporters groups and things like that on Twitter that I could find haven't tweeted for about a year, a lot of them. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to the Salford City fan base in that time. But, um, but They've yes. probably come back to support Manchester United. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so... So haven't got one this week, but to be honest, we were so busy with the transfer window roundup bit that we, it would have been difficult to fit it in this week anyway. Um, so let's look ahead to the game this weekend, Mike. Uh, referee for this game is Martin Coy. It's his fifth season as an EFL official. Uh, last season, he took charge of 32 games, handing out 86 yellows and five red cards. He refereed United three times last season, the 3-2 home win over Colchester United, the 1-0 win over Exeter, and the 1-0 defeat to Bolton Wanderers. You might remember the Bolton one. He's the referee who did that ridiculous drop ball at the end of the game. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he basically had an attack. I think one of their players went down injured. Oh, no, maybe it hit him or something like that, I think, right on the edge of the box, literally Mm. about three or four yards outside the box, something like that. And obviously it was a drop ball for us because we last touched the ball. And instead of dropping it normally so we could sink it into the box or something, he dropped it, but practically threw it backwards. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. some like, Callum Guy had to reach round backwards to try and hook it into the box and obviously couldn't. Mm. It's an absolutely ridiculous bit of play. But, um, but yes, he's been a referee for a while. Um, I mean, not particularly controversial referee beyond that moment. So, so there you go. Um in terms of stats, uh, we've only played them three times, so there's not much of a head-to-head. We've won one and two of them have been draws. Um, 
Classic clash. There wasn't much to pick from for for, for this. So uh, I've gone for the two one win over the Amis uh, in December last season. Um, this game was quite significant because it was the first match in the UK to allow fans to attend games with a restricted capacity under the new tier system after the autumn lockdown. By virtue of the fact that it was a seven o'clock kickoff, this was the first game that fans actually were allowed back mm-hmm. in for. Because um, I think there were some other games played that night, but they were in areas where there were still restrictions in place, so they couldn't you couldn't attend in those places. Um, yeah, uh, started the game quite strongly, uh, repelled a few ambitious long-range efforts from the visitors, and then we took the lead as Coyote was picked up by a quick throw from Mellish. He then played the ball to the edge of the box where he found Alessandra, and he turned on his weaker foot and hit a left foot shot into the top corner. Then he was a brilliant goal, this one. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was in the paddock for this game. I mean, it was so exciting to be back at the football anyway, but to see a strike like that, you're like, this is what football's all about. And this was when we were still ambitious and thought, we could do it, we can get up into no. League One this season. Yeah, well, at the time, I think it was goal of the season as well, like at that yeah. point. Yeah, I think Patrick got it in the end, didn't he? I think yeah. Goal. Well, no, was, John Mellish got it. Yes, of course. John Mellish <laughs> and his uh, extended family voted for him to to get that one. Um, the uh, Luke Burgess uh, very nearly equalised after the break, but he fired wide from a tight angle after being the offside trap. And then United went up and uh, doubled their lead. Uh, Reese Bennett was unmarked at the far post to head in Callum Guy's free kick. I think that was his fifth goal, wasn't it? In some like seven games at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. In fact, it might not have been because I think he scored against Bradford at the weekend. That might have been his fifth. Um, Hayden went close to making it free, but his back-heeled flick from a George Tanner cross was cleared off the line. Uh, Deshaun Bernard did grab a late consolation goal, heading in a cross from the left. But it was actually United that nearly grabbed the, the next goal. as deep in injury time uh, with the Salford keeper having come up for a corner. Gimme Toure broke away on the right and he, he tried to place it into the net, didn't he? He basically mm. tried to pass it in and it went agonising, like a, maybe a foot wide at most. Really unlucky. He just tried to place it rather than just levering the thing. Mm. Um, but it didn't make any difference because United picked up all three points. Um, played for both. So Dan's recorded one for us for this. Um, let's see what he had to say on this one. This week's uh, They Played For Both is one who's fondly remembered by Carlisle fans from our time in non-league and going up for a couple of seasons. Uh, he played a similar amount of games for both teams and it's Simon Grand. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Simon Grand from Chorley Started out at Rochdale Played about 40 odd games for them Nearly 50 And he signed for us in our one season In the uh, conference as it was then Played about 30 games altogether that season They'd sort of dropped out the picture But he was one of those who was essential to the squad You know, he, uh, he always did his bit when called upon uh, After they left us He went to Grimsby, well, he went to Grimsby Town on loan, then signed for them. Had a short spell at Morecambe, and he re-established himself in non-league at uh, Northwich for a couple of years. Uh, he had a good couple of solid seasons there. Uh, moved on to Fleetwood, uh, had a loan at Mansfield, had a loan at Aldershot. Before uh, two very good seasons at Southport, where he scored, I think it was 11 goals in 83 league appearances. Uh, he had a season at Telford, and then he had two at uh, Barrow before his one season at Salford City, where he scored nine goals in 42 league appearances in the National League North. That's not a bad return. 
He then did a, a year at AFC Fylde, and he then moved on to Chester, where he still plays now, and I think he's played over 100 league games for them. And one, one thing that stands out when you look through his stats, he's always scored four or five goals at least every season, which for the centre-back uh, isn't bad going. So, uh, yeah, that's this week's... Uh, they played for both, Simon Grand. Good choice from Dan there. I'm glad he yeah. picked Simon Grand. I, li- I like Grandy. I think he was a good player for us. And he's, he was very unlucky in that in the conferences. And he looked like when we signed him, I thought, oh, God, I'm a hell of a good player here. Mm. And then he, I think he got sent off against Woking in the FA Trophy. And I think that's when we got Livesey in, wasn't it? Well, the Livesey came in before that and he'd sort of been yeah. in and around the squad. And then at that point, Livesey came in to play alongside Gray and Grand never really got yeah. back as a starting centre-back. After that, probably better remembered in the League Two season for being an emergency striker for a lot of games. Or not well, yeah. just thrown on at the end of games for a laugh almost. <laughs> like against yeah. Darlington, go on, have a go. And he scored a goal against them, didn't he? It was, it was, it was like a decent lob over the keeper as well in, in that game, I think, wasn't it? I think it was a header, wasn't it? I think he sort of headed oh, it yeah. over the keeper. Oh yeah, headed it over the keeper, yeah. Yeah, because the keeper palmed it up in the air from a shot or something like that, I think. But yeah. he's... Um, but yeah, he, he, a good lad, Grandy. I think he was a well-liked player in the squad, a well-liked player amongst the fans. And he's made a bloody decent career for himself, hasn't he? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised that he, he hasn't sort of had more of that career at football league level. Like it's mm. all been at, at non-league level because I always thought that he, he was sort of a good uh, football league uh, quality. Um, but I think, you know, he mentioned he's at Chester now. I think he's still playing alongside Danny Livesey there. Yeah, and Danny Livesey is another one who's played for both. He played for, yeah. played alongside him at Salford as well. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah. Barrow as well. Some of them two just yeah. follow each other around, don't they? And yeah, I know. Good, good centre-back partnership. You just wonder if it would have been nice to see them play like together for us, because I don't think they ever did, actually. No, it was always one of them did. two alongside Gray, wasn't it? Or um, Murphy. Yeah, true. Oh, let, let's do the full list now, then. Um, so, Patrick Bruff. He had a loan spell there from United, actually, um, a while back. Uh, Max Crocombe had a, t- spent some time playing for um, Salford. I think he's at Grimsby he, Town now, isn't he? I th- yeah, I think he got a red card for Salford, didn't he? Um, yes, because he basically decided to take a piss behind the goal, didn't he? Because yeah. he was desperate, and the, one of the officials spotted it, and he got sent off for it, which is quite funny. But uh, I, I, w- I was a keeper, right, and you can do this subtly, right, if anyone's... You know, listening, who's a goalkeeper who needs a wee during a game, is you just sort of stretch your hamstrings and just sort of slip it down your shorts a little bit, you know. And, no, and, and, and you're only a couple of inches from the ground, you know what I mean? No one will, n- no one will notice. Yeah, you know? but people will notice when they slide in a puddle of your piss, though, won't they? That's the yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> God, that conversation went a bit wrong, <laughs> didn't it? Um, next up, Tony Cullen. He only played two games for us. I think on loan from Sunderland, I seem to remember, back in the early 90s, I think possible. Two games, one goal. Uh, Ashley Easton, a one-game wonder. He only played one game for us, but he's now captain at Salford. He's still there now. Um, John Foster's a, a name that some fans might remember, might not. He came to the club, I think, towards the end of the 97-98 season. I think he was effectively a replacement for Rory Delap, right back. And I seem to remember my mate, my mate Simon used to go on about the fact that he had a weird long throw. You see this long throw where he's got his arms like twisted at the end when he did it. Very <laughs> unusual. Um, Simon Grand, obviously, we mentioned already. Callum Higginbotham, who's now uh, ripping it up with Kelty in the uh, Scottish Second, uh, sorry, Scottish League Two. James Hooper, we mentioned him the other week, scoring for I think it was Witten against Lancaster, which uh, Sam Fishburne was involved in. Uh, he had a spell at Salford. Uh, Chris Howarth, 
He only played one game for us, didn't he, I think? Yeah. Because he was back up to Westwood, and let's be honest, anyone who's back up to Westwood is not going to be getting a game anytime soon. No, but I, rem- I remember when we had him, I think Neil McDonald at the time was like, oh yeah, he's like on a par with Westwood ability-wise, he's going to push him all the way, and just clearly wasn't, was he? No, let's face clearly it. Not, clearly not. Uh, Jake Jervis, he had spent some time uh, with the Emmys as well. Um, one of their current players is an ex-Carlisle player, Josh Morris. Obviously mentioned Daddy Leaves before anyway. He's uh, he's there now. Stephen O'Halloran, he spent some time with Salford, as did Martin Smith. Uh, obviously mentioned George Tanner, never actually played a game for them, which was something I think that quite annoyed him. Um, Harry Worley as well, <laughs> another one game wonder there. Uh, he had a spell with Salford too. So that's your play for both. Um, let's get on to present day Salford City then, uh, Mike. Um, it's their third season in the EFL now. Um, the club's got big ambitions, but so far it's found found it quite hard to turn those dreams into reality, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's been it's been a bit, of a bit of a challenge for them. They've they spent big on wages last season with some strong recruitment, but I mean they failed to make the playoffs, which that that's a huge failure. I mean, not finishing top three was probably poor for them, but yeah. finishing outside the top seven really not good. Um, they originally sacked Graham Alexander after barely a month of the campaign. They replaced him with Richie Wellens from Swindon Town, only to sack him after just four and a half months and 30 games in charge. Mm-hmm. And he was replaced in the final two months of the season by Gary Bowyer. We'll get on to mm-hmm. in a minute. Interestingly, Gary Neville did an interview recently, didn't he, about um, being an owner of Salford City. And he, I think he said, didn't he, that he made a mistake in sacking Graham Alexander. Mm-hmm. And he should have stuck with him for the season. That's what he said he should have done. So I think he almost wonder if he's learning there a little bit. I, I, I had to laugh. There was a thing on, uh, I think it's Sky or BT or wh- whoever they're uh, playing for, and Gary Neville was moaning that managers don't get enough time <laughs> at clubs anymore. And Roy Keane just turned around and he was like, what are you on about the amount of time that you give managers? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true. So yeah, Gary Berry is now the man who's got the job. Um A lot of football fans probably remember him, Mike, don't they, for his time in charge of Blackburn. He was, he was almost a... He was a little, I want to say a joke appointment, but he was a bit of a, it's weird one saying Tim Sherwood. Yeah, I mean, they, they had, <laughs> they'd had Steve Keane before that, who really was a joke figure, wasn't yeah. he? And people ripped the piss out of him getting the job. But Bowie had been sort of like a youth coach at a lower level at Blackburn. I think he'd been at Derby County as well in the past before that. He'd, he'd not had much of a playing career. I think he played about 30 games for Rotherham, and that was about it, at football league level. But yeah, he... Despite the fact that he had quite a few difficulties at that time, or the club did at uh, Blackburn round about that time, when he got the job permanently after his second caretaker spell, he did an okay job actually stabilising them in the Championship, didn't he? He kept them mm. pretty solid. It wasn't until two seasons later that they actually went down to, to League One. Mm. <laughs> so I think they sacked him and he just went downhill from that point. Mm. Um, he ended up getting the job at Blackpool, didn't he? And after they got relegated to League Two, and he got them promoted at the first attempt. So he showed that he actually's got a bit of coaching ability. Uh, yeah. He then had a spell at Bradford where he was solid, if not spectacular. Um, took on the Amis job originally as a caretaker until the end of last season. And he appeared to have basically said he didn't want the job full time and left. Because I think he'd been coaching at Derby County at that point, hadn't he? Mm. For a while. And he came in to help them out. Um, and then suddenly over the summer, they just announced, oh, he's back. He's now permanent manager. <laughs> I've heard some whispers that apparently they were keen on Mickey Mellon from uh, Dundee United. And then as soon as he got the chance to go back to Tramway, he took that. And at that point, they were like, oh, what do we do now? And they basically just went back to Bowyer. They just mm. didn't seem to know what to do from what I've heard. Could mm. be wrong, that I don't know. But um, but yes, yeah, so he's now their permanent manager. And as you expect, 
promotion's the aim for them this season. Isn't it? I mean, yeah, they've not made that many eye-catching signings this summer. I think did you? I think you did them in the preseason preview. Didn't yeah, you? I think McElhenney was. Was he signed in the summer? Or was that he was signed in summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the one who said last season he doesn't score many goals and he's not going to do much good at Oldham. And, and I said I think he'll be a good player. And turned out I was right, of course. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they've, they've not made as many eye-catching signings this summer, I suppose you'd say. But they're still spending big in terms of wages, aren't they? To to get McElhenney from Oldham and a, mm. a few other players from other clubs as well. And I picked McElhenney out the star man. He was there, yeah. the main goal for it for Oldham last summer. Um, I didn't realise he's 29. I thought he was about 24 or 25. Yeah, me too. But he's not young. He's he's. The problem was he was at Everton for forever, wasn't he? Yeah. And he started at Everton's academy and he had he had half a dozen loan spells. But he, I think bar, I think eight goals in 18 games at Oxford, they were all pretty meh, really, weren't they? There wasn't mm. really much to get excited mm. about in terms of what he did in those loan spells. Um, then he went to Fleetwood. He did okay at Fleetwood, but it didn't really pinned down a starting spot there. Mm. Again, had a couple of loan spells. Joined the Latics last season and he impressed scoring 17 goals in 40 appearances. That earned him his move to Salford after he turned down a new deal at Boundary Park. He's, he's a good player, isn't he, Mike, basically? He looked a mm. decent player for Oldham last season. And he's one of those players you actually look, obviously, as I mentioned, he's 29. He probably should have dropped down to League Two a bit sooner, shouldn't he, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah He probably definitely. would have helped his career, I think, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other key squad member, members I picked out. Um, I don't know if you agree on these, Mike, but I think Ian Henderson is one obviously that stands out. He was a really good player at Rochdale. Hasn't quite had the same effect at Salford, but still a decent player for them, isn't he? I think he was the bookies' favourite for the League Two top goal scorer as well, which I didn't agree with. But there was you that go. for this season, yeah, 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 for this season. Surprise, because he only managed to yeah, turn yeah. forty last year. Didn't he? So <laughs> exactly, didn't really set the world on fire. But I guess bookies based their odds on what. Uh, how much money people are putting down, and I think yeah. you get a lot of like sort of Premier League fans who just sort of think, "Oh, Salford will do well," yeah, you know. Striker, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, he's um, he's not getting he's not getting any younger either. He's what thirty five, thirty six now, so yeah, he's coming towards the end of his career. You'd think. Um, other ones I picked up: Matty Lund. They signed for him Rochdale in the summer. He's a midfielder. I think he scores quite a few goals, doesn't he? So he'll be a, a good player for them. Um, Josh Morris set pieces, goals, free kicks, penalties, corners. He takes a lot, doesn't he? So he, he's a player. I think is actually a really good signing for this level. To be fair, mm. I think it's a, it's a more it's a more measured signing. It's more sensible. You look at it and think, yeah, actually, you can see how he'll fit in there. Um, at, in defence, they've signed a new keeper. Tom King's come in. Um, he he did pretty well at Newport last season. Scored a goal for them, didn't he, with a long mm. kick? And uh, I think Ibu Toure as well. The left back, he's a player that's attracted interest from higher divisions. I think he was their player of the year last season, wasn't he? So yeah, he's so. one again. You'd think he will do quite well. Um, they saw quite a lot of players go out in the summer, there, didn't they? I mean, mm. some big names here, isn't there? James mm. Wilson, Tom Clark, Bruno Andrade. Sorry, Bruno Andrade. And- Andrade. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> um, he's gone to Stevenage. That surprised me because mm. he was one of their better players. I, I'm surprised that they wanted to shift him out. Mm. Um, George Boyd, uh, who still hasn't got a club yet, neither has Darren Gibson. And uh, last season's League Two Team of the Year goalkeeper, uh, Vaclav Hladky, he's gone to Ipswich Town. Um, probably quite rightly, because he, he shouldn't really be playing at this level. He's, no. he's a lot better than that. Um, so they've lost a lot of big names, but like, like I said, their summer recruitment seems to be a bit more measured, but probably still wages that outstrip anything we could afford. 
Well, I, th- I think financial fair play is catching up with them now, isn't it? Because I think you've Possibly, got a yeah. three-year grace period from yeah. when you're promoted from non-league. Um, and obviously the gates, the kind of gates that they're on, you know, you can't be spending mad money. Well, 1600 from one of their games? Yeah, week, exactly. It? It's not, exactly. not great, though, I mean, it? I mean, they might do little loopholes, like with sponsorship deals, if... Gary Neville sets up a, a shoe shop, and then, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's your shoe partner of Salford City. Yeah, right exactly. Um, yeah, interesting. You mentioned about crowds and stuff there. Um, story emerged the other week, didn't it? That they're looking to move into the Salford City uh, Reds or Devils, whatever you call them, mm. the rugby league team's ground. Yeah, share yeah. It with Sell Sharks, aren't they? Because at mm. the moment, anyone who's ever been to the Trafford Centre and goes on the M60, will have seen there's a huge stadium right next to the motorways. Now, that's mm. the Salford City Rugby League team. That was built years ago, and they can't basically can't afford it, can they, essentially? That's mm. the problem, though. They skimmed the Rugby League team now. And I think they sold it years ago to someone, possibly to the council, I think. And um, what's happening is I think Salford City and Cell Sharks are offering to buy the ground uh, from them and basically effectively give their ground Moor Lane to the rugby league team and the yeah. council, so they can invest in doing that up, and the rugby league dreams a, a ground that they can more financially afford to maintain. Basically, that's the issue, isn't mm. it? So that's that's what they're looking to do. Um, so they're potentially going to move to that ground, but I mean, it holds what ten or twelve thousand, something like that. Yeah, it's a exactly. tidy little ground, but well, twelve hundred fans, sixteen hundred fans going in that. It's yeah. not the easiest ground to get to either. It's not. It's not in the middle of Salford. It's actually quite a way out of Salford. Well, so it's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean Salford in general isn't a doddle to sort of get to by via public transport no. kind of thing. You can get to the edges, can't you? Like Salford yeah. Crescent stations, that they're more on the edge and almost in Manchester, aren't they? Those mm. those ones. The actual where the ground is. I mean, the, the nearest station's a good twenty-five minute walk away, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I can remember. So that's an interesting one for them. Um, in terms of how they start the season, not as strong as many people probably expected. I think we had, I think we all had them in the top three this season, didn't we? Oh yeah, yeah, so, definitely. So, as you'd expect, we got that completely wrong. So, far. yeah, I'm still going to brag about the fact that I'm looking quite good in terms of my prediction of Forest Green so far. Um, well, I think Salford are currently below us. You know, yeah, <laughs> we're worried about yeah. how crap we've been, and, and they're, yeah. they're below us. Um, so they started with two draws against Leighton Orient and Sutton United. Before surprise defeats to Crawley Town and Swindon Town, uh, and then they finally picked up their first three points by defeating Newport County three 0 at home last time out. Should be noted they've actually played of the five games they played so far, four of them have been at home, and that I think is because I don't know if it's the case with both clubs. I think it is definitely is with Sutton, but the game against Sutton got switched to Salford because Sutton's new pitch wasn't going to be ready in time, was it? Mm. And I think possibly that might be the same thing with Newport County, because they only played their first game in the new pitch, didn't they, mm. against Southampton in the Cup. So I think that's what's happened in terms of that. I think that's why they've got four home games. So they'll probably find a period late in the season where they're playing a lot of away games in a row. So a little bit imbalanced in terms of that. So to mm. only picked up five points, probably quite disappointing for them, you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Especially definitely. when you look at they've played. They've not exactly... I don't think Newport are going to do as well this year. I don't think they've played as really testing sides have they other than that exactly and not only that but I mean after us they've got uh, Bradford and then after that they've got Tramier so you know yeah, tough it, I would like to consider us to be a tough game you know that's 
three tough games in a row. When you, when you look at it, this game actually, for, for both clubs, is a big game, isn't it? Because yeah. for us, we've got a, a run of easier games coming up, haven't we? We'll touch on that mm. in a second. But for them, they've got a tough run coming up. We want to get, both teams want to go into into good form into those games. So you'd imagine actually both teams would be desperate to get three points. For this it's match. got nil-nil written all over it now. Oh, <laughs> absolutely nailed on now. So, that, so, yeah. so there you go. But yeah, no, it, it's, um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's In terms of United for this game, Mike, um, he's not going to stick with the 3-5-2 experiment. Surely 5-3-2 if you want to call it that. Sure, surely he can't, like, it, it's one of them. I mean, I've I've never done this before, but I would sympathise with someone who is driving to the game, hears the lineup announced, and turns around and goes home. Like if if if, if that's what he wants to go with, because you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm like kind of making it about me in any kind of way, but I mean, like last week, like I did over like fifty hours at work, and then like you're looking forward to the game on a Saturday, and then that's what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Dyer. It's soul destroying, you know, and you know we've been there many times after games and sort of saying why do we do this, but then that one game where you score the last minute winner away from home sort of makes up for ten of them, you know, horrible games. But it's just like, you know, the the least you want to see is actually having a go and trying to win games. And if they're not going to do that, you know, I do understand why people might want to give it a miss. To be honest, (laughs) yeah. what formation do we play then, Mike? Do we go four three three? Do we go four two three one? Do you, how do you change things? What, what lineup would you look at? Because you imagine Jordan Gibson's got a good chance of coming in for his first start, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind the four two three one to be honest to get the best out of Clough. But you know, like I've said, if you want to sort of play a system that gets the best out of Clough, it's not all about the formation. It's about how you play the ball, and you need yeah. to keep 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 it on the deck as well. So would you go four two three one? Who would you, who yeah. would you pick? What, what's your eleven going to be for this game? Would you go with? Well, you see, right. I, this is this is something that sort of hasn't been mentioned a lot, but I would. So I, you know, the bat four kind of picks itself at the minute. Um, you know, d- you're depend- a big fan of Feeney though. So would you? Yeah, Feeney for Whelan, or or would you or would you put Whelan at right back? Um, you know, I, you'd imagine Mel is going to start right back. Surely, if you bring a player like him in. You'd think, but how much football has he, has he been playing? How fit's he going to be? I think he's played you a know. few games and more at the start of the oh, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess you know, bat four depends on on, on fitness largely, um, and there the, the wouldn't be too as long as it's four at the back. I'm not going to be saying why is he playing in the defence? Why you know? I'll, I'll let that sort of pick itself. But um, the sort of midfield, I would play. Guy and Mellish as your sort of two, with Guy sitting and Mellish is like box to box. Clough in the hole, and I would put Riley on the right wing. You're obsessed think, with Riley on the right wing, aren't you? You well, always mention this. For me, you can't not have him in the team. Yeah. You know, and I think Mellish will cause Salford a lot of problems. Um, and I think. Yeah, you you can't drop Riley, so stick him on the wing, stick Abrams up top, and then on the left, I mean, it's sort of just spin, just get Keith Curls, Tom Bowler out the cupboard, and <laughs> um, just stick whoever, sort of Mampala, Torre, Gibson, whoever, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for, for me, I'd, I'd probably stick with Norman and Nets for now, despite what we've said before. 
Um, let's just see how he does. Let's try and get maybe running the team. Right back, Mella's got to come in. I mean, Arm is obviously going to be playing a left back. Um, I think I'd probably stick with McDonald and Whelan back at the centre backs and put Feeney on the bench for this one. In terms of midfield, I, I would go over the four-two-three-one. I'd I'd go with Guy and Riley as you two mm. sort of sitting holding midfielders. Is Riley obviously able to buzz about a bit more than than Guy probably? And then obviously cluffing the whole Abraham's up front, and then I'd I'd probably put Gibson on the right and. I think I'd go with Dickinson on the left. I mean, I'd have, have a go with him there again, mm. possibly. It's a tough one, though. I, th- I think it's it's a, it's a real selection headache and not always for the best reasons, to be honest. No. not playing well. And, and yeah. I, 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 I do like Mellish, but I think maybe he needs a bit of time out of the team to recharge his batteries. And yeah. I think it might actually even help him because he might come back in the team determined to prove a point when he is brought in. Yeah. As well. So I can see that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... I think the key for me is we need to start getting an understanding between Abrahams and Clough because that's going to be the key to our season, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's what we were working on in pre-season and he was disrupted for the first game, which is really frustrating. But we should have been able to recover from that, really, realistically, mm. shouldn't we? Yeah. As you look at the games ahead, as I mentioned before, after this weekend's game, you've got a run of games where you're playing Crawley away, which is, again... Crawley never beat us, Touchwood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Craw- Crawley, if Crawley don't turn up, you can get three points comfortably against them. Yeah. That's the kind of side they are. Then we've got Scunthorpe at home, who are probably doing a little bit better than you expect so far. But still, when you look at their squad, we should be beating them. Yeah. Sutton away, first trip there, which we're both looking forward to. We're going down for that one. Um, again, should be beating them. Yeah. And then you're into October, where you've got. Forest Green at home, and that's your first real one where you look right. That is a really tough game. That mm. that's going to be a real challenge. That one. So really, what you want to do from those from those games in September, the league games, four games. I'd be looking at a minimum seven points from them. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of them. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm jumping the gun too much here, but if we only get say maybe even two points or less. Is that the point that questions need to be asked of, you know, Beach and indeed Holdsworth? De- definitely, because at that point you'd be looking at, I think, is it six wins from 29? I think that's what we're and on now, be, I think. That's what we're on now. So by that point, you had an extra four, that'd be six wins from 33. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. That's, that's no. not good at all. I mean, that's less than a point a game, isn't it? It's mm. it's it's not great. He needs to start turning around form soon because, yeah, I know there's these things like, oh, it's a different season, you know, hanging over, but the fact that we're shown a hangover from last season. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, my, my my big thing is, you know, you're not going to turn it around by doing more of the same. And okay. um, John Coleman did a good article the other week about um, good uh, Carlisle United comebacks in sort of recent years. Yeah. And I just cannot see us having one of them under, under beach. Yeah. I cannot see us being 2-0 down and coming back and winning it three two. I mean, like I'll always stay till the end because you know we're Carlisle. Miracles are kind of what we do, kind of thing. But yeah. like, I just cannot see it happening. There's just no kind of. It's nearly two years since he took over now, and mm. I think we've managed once to get a point from a losing, or twice to get points from one, two points from a losing position. Yeah, I don't think we managed to win from a losing position yet. On yeah. I might be wrong on that. I might have forgotten one, and do apologise if I have. But yeah, I think in fact no, maybe against Leighton Orient, I think we managed it last season mm. in the game down there. That's the only time I can think of off the top of my head. 
So that's not a good sign. If we're not we're not a team that can fight back from losing positions, it's no, it's not great. Exactly, exactly. Okay, then, Mike, let's have your predictions for this game. Right, I'm going to be an optimist, and I'm going to think right. Beach is really taking stock of what's going on, and he's going to make us play passing football now. And I'm going to say a one nil win to the Blues with Zach Clough getting another. Okay, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going for a two-one win. Um, I think it'll be goals from Clough and Gibson on his debut. That's yeah. what I'm going to go for. Um, here's Dan's predictions for this game as well. I'm going to predict a hard-fought, narrow two-one victory. Uh, goals from Zach Clough and Joe Riley, and the crowd will be four thousand and one. With the one being from Salford. <laughs> okay. We've got to do our crowd as well, didn't we, Michael? What, what crowd are you going for? Well, that's the thing. I think the last crowd I went for, I, I, like I went for 5K, I think, because uh, I thought in my head that post-COVID, people just want to go to football again and and it's just soon gone back to like the 4,000 mark, hasn't yeah. it? So, yeah, I'll, I'll say 4,122. I'm going to go for 4,306. Okay. There you go. Right, let's do the XL section. Obviously, it's going to be media this week because uh, Dan is not here. A um, few goals and cards this week. Um, Tom Lawrence, he scored in a 1-1 draw for Derby against Nottingham Forest. Big Derby game for that, is it? <laughs> Excuse the pun. Um, <sighs> but, I mean, Forest, are re- I mean, everyone was expecting Derby to struggle this season, but Forest are having an awful mm. season in the Championship. Mm. They're at the bottom, aren't they? Really struggling. Uh, Jamie Proctor got off the uh, score sheet in the league for uh, Port Vale. He got a double in a surprise win against Port, uh, Forest Green. Mm. They only expected that one, wasn't it? Um, mm. Our old mate Byron Webster, he got a goal for Bromley against Dagenham Redbridge, but they still lost the game 4-2. Dagenham having a really surprisingly good start to the National League, aren't they? With mm. uh, Mo Sagaf and Angelo Balanta in their team. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we did say, didn't we, when we talked about Hayden going to Wrexham, that in the National League... There's always a club that no one expects that does really yeah. well and they surprise nice. everyone. I wonder if it would be Dagenham this year. I wonder if they might surprise a few people because yeah. what Dagenham are very good at and what Barnett are good at, they seem to alternate between which club does this. <laughs> They're really good at picking up young cast-offs from Premier League clubs yeah. and sort of working on them into being good players and usually flogging them on. They're very good at doing that, aren't they? Yeah, I think a lot of them as well, like these young cast-offs who have lived in a little bubble at, say, Chelsea or Tottenham mm. or Arsenal, where they don't want to move away from no. their little bubble. So they want to stay local-ish. Yeah, yeah fair play. Uh, Mark Ellis, he was sent off for Barrow against Bristol Rovers. A bit controversial, this apparently, because it was a 22-man brawl. And the referee's decision was to send off Mark Ellis and book Tom White but not book a single Bristol Rovers player in all that, <laughs> which is quite bizarre, but there you go. Um, Daryl Duffy, he got on the score sheet for Stranraer against Forfire Athletic. Sam Cosgrove got his first goal for Shrewsbury against Gillingham. That was a 2-1 win, I think. I think there was three players sent off in injury time in this game. I think two players were sent off in the 98th minute and another player was sent off in the 100th minute of the game. That's how mad that one was. Uh, um Mark Beck, he scored for York City against Spennymoor. I think it's his first goal for them. And a uh, little one to drop a bit further down. David Simington, he scored an absolutely stunning free kick for Workington in their game at the weekend. Did you see this one, Mike? I think I sent it in the link to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The technique was just 
glorious, wasn't it? He's one of those. He's infuriating because he's a player who probably should have played at a much higher level, but just mm. never quite worked out for him, did it? But there you go. There, uh, there is something else that we haven't mentioned. Go on. Um, and it's not technically X file, but um, Sam Fishburne ended his goal drought of one, one game. game. <laughs> <laughs> they still <laughs> lost there, didn't they, Lancaster City that game? Yeah, they? yeah. There you go. So seven in. Four or five now, is it? I can't remember. Yeah, I think seven and five, I think. Yeah. Seven and five. So he's, he's doing all right. He's still scoring more than one a game. Yeah. There you go. And in terms of transfers, just two transfers over the uh, last few days of X-Blues. Uh, it's Gavin Riley. He's joined Greenwich Morton on a season-long loan from Livingston. And Joe Garner, he's uh, moved back to the UK from his lovely little holiday in Cyprus. And he signed for Fleetwood on a two-year deal from Applewell Nicosia. I mean... He's clearly going to be out of our budget, but I would have loved to have seen him come back to Carlisle for a fifth spell, wouldn't you? But he's, what, like 32, 33 now as well? He's not that old, is he? He's surprisingly younger than you'd think. And is he? Yeah, I think, no, sorry, I mean, he's not that old in terms of 32, 33. You'd think he'd be 35 by now, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, he was very young when he played for us, was the, the thing. Yeah, th- 33, so David Holdsworth must be spewing at the thought of a two-year deal for a 33-year-old. like. Yeah. He's probably but give it another twelve months. He'll probably end up here, won't he? Because he's, he's probably on that sort of downward spiral now. Sadly, um, in terms of other bit of news, uh, England under twenty call ups for both Jared Branthwaite and James Trafford. So well done to yeah. both of them. Um, I think Trafford started quite well at Akron. I think he saved a penalty the other week for mm. them. Um, and Branthwaite was back on the bench, wasn't he? I think for Everton in the last couple of games and played in the League Cup game as well. Yeah. Um, your mate. Uh, Mike, the one you trained up, Liam McCurran, he yeah. made the Leeds bench against Burnley for the first time. That's the first time he's made the first team bench for them. Yeah. Doing pretty you well, know. isn't he, by the sounds of things? Yeah, next stop, England World Cup squad, um, even though he's doing the <laughs> Sc- Scottish under-21 route at the minute, he'll switch allegiance. Yeah, Do you think, yeah? It's, com- it's coming home. Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> But he's uh, he plays a left back now, doesn't he? Mostly for them. Well, left wing back kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's really, doesn't he? It's very flexible in Bielsa's formation. Yeah. And just the one last little bit. Uh, there was a bit of talk that Carl Dempsey could be set to leave Gillingham, but he's uh, he stayed there despite a couple of bids from Charlton. Yeah, Steve Steve Evans, I think, said that the bids were laughable or, laughable. or something. I can't remember his exact words, but yeah. Well, that's a uh, rich coming from a man with his past behaviour, isn't it? I think it's fair yeah. to say. Uh, and that's it, Mike. That's the end of uh, today's episode. Uh, thanks once again for joining me. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, uh, for supporting us this season. Uh, just a little reminder to everyone um, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Any, all the good apps, basically. So your, your Spotify's, your Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcasts, your um, uh, Acast, things like that. You know, any, any podcast app like that, you generally you'll find us there. If you can't, Search for Brunton Beagle. If we don't come up, let us know and we can try and get ourselves onto that podcast app. Uh, and uh, you can listen to us from there. Um, yeah, um, also follow us on social media as well. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at Brunton Bugle. Um, you can email us at at gmail.com. Um, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. We're also on the message board at thecumbrians.net. You can find us all there and you can always leave us comments. Um the world map of listeners, Mike, and I can't remember if I said last time one of the new ones. I think I did with Dan, didn't I? I said Croatia. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think someone's doing a little bit of a tour around the Balkans. Oh. Because we, we've had a couple of listens now in Albania. Oh. We have the Albanian Blues following us, so uh, <laughs> thank you to them for listening. Um, I think that's the only new country, actually, looking at the map. Uh, still very consistent in terms of our listeners all around the world. 
all the usual places. We've got some listeners of Vietnam again. We've got quite a few listeners there actually for a while now. So uh, thank you to the Blues who are listening out there. If you drop us an email, because we get a lot of listeners of Vietnam. So if you drop us an email, we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast as well. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, Mike, um, obviously we'll be doing an episode uh, next week to review the Sulphur game and preview the trip to Crawley, which I don't think any of us are going to, are we? I think, I don't know, is anyone... Think, no, we, we've, we've done our bit, we've been to Crawley once and we never need to go again. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll be doing an episode the week after that for the uh, the game against Scunthorpe. For the Sutton game, I'm not sure what we're going to do with that one because I'm actually away the week of the Sutton game mm. up until that, so... We'll, we'll look at how we do it. I might put together a quick episode on the Saturday night after the Scunfold game and do a little preview based around that. Um, we'll do a special episode, won't we, uh, for the Sutton game because we're travelling down on the train. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not looking forward to that in one sense because I get back from Barcelona about half ten the night before and then I've got to be up to go and catch a train from Lime Street at about nine in the morning. So yeah. uh, that's, that's not going to be a fun one. I can see that can be a bad day out. So no. But um, it's one of them that, you know, if we come back from a couple of goals down and win or whatever, it's all totally worth it. But like I say, that's not going to happen, is it? Let's hope it's more Wimbledon away than um, Barnet away yeah. uh, in terms of London trips. Um, but yeah, we're going to work on a few more specials as well. Dan's CSE 11 episodes out. We've had a lot of really good feedback about that. People have really loved us talking about players from the past. Um, we're going to record mine hopefully in the next week or two. Uh, you're going to put yours together, aren't you, Mike, as well? Yeah. Have you been working on that, I hope? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, John Coleman has agreed to do one for us as well. So we're going to do one with him on his favourite team, um, which is not just going to be 11 David Currys as he wishes it was. <laughs> But uh, it, he's already sent me over, actually. It's a, good, it's a good squad he's got together there, so we'll see how that goes. Mike, once again, thank you for giving up your time. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues.